Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. my man so i should probably start this sucker off with a big congratulations to you you finally made it to the playoffs this has been a <laughs> you know it's an understatement to say it's a long time coming it, it took it took a lot of roads to get here it took one entire season of podcasting to get here but the payoff is is so sweet i was gonna say that you were sort of like moses wandering in the desert but i really felt like that was bad allegory analogy whatever you want to have it as because (laughs) i don't think they were there long enough (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh yeah this i mean you know entire civilizations were born and died in the time that i didn't make the playoffs so very true well let's turn to something that we are actually looking forward to which is talking about game of thrones yep absolutely now we we, highlight of the week we sort of we sort of broke up the the game of thrones thing into into three topics this week you know we each came up with a good question i think um the last episode certainly left a lot of room for questions considering that they're going to try and wrap this all up in two more episodes and then we're going to take a second to wax poetic on a topic that's important to both of us and then got to get our over-unders so eric what's your question all right now i grew up with two sisters so (laughs) i'm intimately familiar with the uh the family politicking, but can Arya and Sansa get along? I I feel like you're I feel like you're actually asking this rhetorically, but let me ask let me try and answer it seriously for a second, which is uh, I'm I'm really troubled by this, and I have to say that I haven't even read the transcribed note yet. Did you read it? No, but I am positive that that is the letter that Sansa wrote at Cersei's bidding to rob after um edard was taken oh hmm. got it all right my question why is sam leaving the citadel because sam is a man of action (laughs) you know we talked we talked about this a couple weeks ago sam is not a man of action (laughs) absolutely so it seems i mean just from on a, a few levels right it seems non it seems incongruous to put him running away to try and go solve this problem. Yeah. It it doesn't seem to fit with his characters. So now I'm left trying to game out the system and be like, well, what is Sam actually doing in the show purpose? Why are they having him leave? He can't. I mean, he's not going to take Horn Hill. He's got to be headed back to John, right? Yeah. I would say but so. over land, man, that's a tough road. <laughs> That's going to be a long, a long journey. I mean, that that is the entire, almost the entirety of Westeros that he has to traverse. It's like the whole King's Road. Right. I mean, that took that took seasons yeah. earlier. Ago, yeah. <laughs> earlier seasons. Nowadays, it just takes. It's like boom, boom, boom. You're done. Ugh. If Sam shows up at like Winterfell next episode, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna feel pretty let down. I so am I. 
All right, let's put it. We'll put a pin in that then. But either way, happy to see Gendry back. Curious to find out what happens. I am really excited about Gendry because it's the second former almost Cy Young candidate coming back into our lives. Homer <laughs> Bailey just resuming his acting career, I guess, between Tommy J's. You know, I have to say, he, <laughs> Gendry does look even more like Homer Bailey now than he did before. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Homer Bailey, Christian Bale, Gendry, yes. all, all <laughs> different ages of the same person. <laughs> yeah, there's some serious Benjamin Button shit going on there. Now, your topic, I knew that you were going to mention him, Bran. What do you want to tell me? Of course I'm going to mention Bran. This is, an, I mean, similar to my discussion about Sam, there's been too much screen time invested in Bran for him to not do something just bonkers in the near future. Like... The least important thing is him flying in a raven and seeing the army of the dead. Like, okay, duh, everybody knew the army of the dead was already marching. Everybody knew that the Night King could see through the warg. Like, fine, what else is he going to do? He can. He's apparently seen everything based on all of his interactions with other characters. Like, yeah. something big has to happen. For Bran. Yeah. I know. What is it going to be? And I think it's going to be a flashback. Okay, my over-under for you, and this is what I was hinting about for next episode. Number of flaming swords. You move the line up here. Um, Line is currently at one. Over-under on one flaming swords in the next episode. Yeah, I I mean, I'm of course mad because I want the the over on a half, and I got to pick the push on the one. So I'm still going to stick with the over, just on the off chance that... Um, there's another flaming sword besides Beric. Thoros is supposed to fight with a flaming sword. Yeah, so I'm excited to see something. You think there's going to be none, which I think is just... I mean, you think it's... Your technicality is that you don't think it's this upcoming episode. Yes. Which is fine. I think that you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Well... We'll talk about who's right and wrong later in the ep- in the episode as well. Okay, so now your over-under is dragons set at 0.5. I don't think that we're going to see one. I, I don't think that this... I think this next episode, no dragons needed. Do dragon skulls count? No, dragon skulls don't okay. count. Real live dragons. Any of the three. I'm not even calling it on Drogon. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an under. Wow. I agree. This is our rare this is our rare bet agreement. <laughs> I would yeah, it's going to be under. There's going and we're going to be so pissed off when there's like a quarter of a second of one flying. This week what Eric's going to talk about <laughs> is you know, maybe we put this off so long because I really didn't want to hear about our bet box second baseman versus <laughs> shortstops. Eric's going to give us a little recap on that. Spoiler alert, not great for me. I'd be more upset if I wasn't in the playoffs. Then after the break, I'm going to talk about the thing that I'm freaking out about heading into the playoffs for the first time, picking pitching matchups when there's no room for error. So Eric, take it away. All right. We just finished our regular season. Yes, it's way too early, but I thought it would be fun to talk about one of our side bets, the second baseman versus shortstop debate. Back in podcast 
1.03, 21 weeks ago, apparently. That is insane. <laughs> um, I suggested a little challenge that would pit the second base position against a shortstop position. It was to be a head-to-head challenge that Mike and I would adjust on a weekly basis. We would use standard <laughs> standard stats in addition to plate appearances. I had the second baseman mostly because of uh, my short husband, Jose Altuve, <laughs> <laughs> and my slam piece, Whit Merrifield. And then Mike would have short stops because of his affliction, uh, which is his affinity for Jean Segura. I take him to the club. We wake up the next morning. We got to a nice brunch. <laughs> like he is important to me. <laughs> and then he disappears from your life for 15 <laughs> to 20 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, that's really accurate. He's clearly stepping out on me in some way, but uh... just hanging out with minor leaguers. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not, not so bad this year, but certainly in the past this year, he's just, Get, spending some time getting acquainted with the DL. So originally my idea was that we would be using this as like a side fantasy thing where we would be looking at this actively every single week, making adjustments, la 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 la. Um, didn't really prove that way. It took us a little while to kind of get going. And then um, I adjusted it a couple of times. Mike didn't send me, uh, didn't offer any, <laughs> any adjustments. Um, but, oh, oh well, um, before we get into how Mike lost, though, I thought it would be good to go over what I think of as some of the summary stats. So, Mike, I put together a spreadsheet because I didn't know how else really to look at this. Um, I would suggest, number one, I guess we should go over the players that we picked, though, before I, I go into the summary stats. Sure. So the top 12 guys that we each set up. Yep. So second baseman that I picked. Trey Turner, Jonathan VR, D. Gordon, Jose Altuve, DJ LeMahieu, Brian Dozier, Robinson Cano, Jose Peraza, Hernan Perez, Daniel Murphy, Jason Kipnis, and Ian Kisler. <laughs> now, two players who were supposed to be top 10 guys who I skipped over, Gene Segura and Rugnet Odor, because of personal disaffinities for those players. Mike, what players did you pick? I felt like I went, I waited the younger age for the most part. So I went Gene Segura, Francisco Lindor, Manny Machado, Trey Turner, begrudgingly Oledmus Diaz, Addison Russell, Xander Bogarts, Eduardo Nunez, Trevor Story, and the old guy in the group, Troy Tulowitzki, Elvis Andrews, Corey Seager. Seems good on paper, right? Yeah, and it was. So the first thing that I wanted to talk about was... Um, I thought it'd be interesting to see top 12 players for both mm-hmm. positions each week of the season. So we put together a little matrix here for both of the positions. It is an interesting group of names. And there are a lot of players that you would never think twice to start just to give you, you know, fantasy is still a little bit random. Well, this is the same thing as, as the Fawar weeks, right? Where you see random guys pop in, pop into the top 12 and you're like, wow, I would never own that guy. But once you do the disag modeling, you see guys that you never would have imagined. I mean, I'm looking at the second, second basement matrix and we got week seven looks just bonkers, right? You got Chad Pender, Eric Sogard, Yolmer Sanchez, (laughs) like Alexi (laughs) Emerista. I mean... Like, these are guys that they would never in a million years in our deep league be owned. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I know, and there are a lot of these. And so what I did was I, I took a look at those and um, counted the number of times mm. that each player appeared. Ooh, I like that. Not surprisingly, on the first baseman, the player that appeared the most <laughs> was Jose Altuve. He appeared 12 times in the top 12 over the 18, first 18 weeks. Good. That's a good sniff test. Daniel Murphy was number two. Awesome. Jose Ramirez, number mm-hmm. three. And then who was number four, Michael? He's still riding a hot streak. I don't care what you say, but it's Whit Merrifield. Whit Merrifield. All right. So on the shortstop side, number one was Andrelton Simmons. That hurts. <laughs> that hurts bad. That if is you, crazy. If you don't pick the top guy, like you're, you're kind of screwed. To be fair, I want to point yeah. out that the shortstop seems to be a little bit more spread out. Andrelton Simmons, for instance, only appeared 10 of the weeks, whereas Jose Altuve appears 12 of the weeks. So there's a little bit more of a plateau with the shortstops for guys that can sneak in. So some of the surprise guys in general across the middle infield who have done amazingly well this year, Whit Merrifield, of course, we mentioned him probably bordering on too much, Jose Ramirez, Marwin Gonzalez, and then two guys that I don't think get enough yeah. play have been very useful, Jonathan Scope and Didi Gregorius. Two guys that you don't really want to have on your team, but are super, super effective in a for a position that is positions that are all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I think of those guys as consummate um, backups on your actual fantasy team. Like those oh, are yeah, guys yeah. that you know your your regular second baseman is out, or you're worried about your regular second baseman, uh, like Dustin Pedroia being injured all of the time, or somebody else. Yeah, Troy Tulowitzki. Troy Tulowitzki. <laughs> yeah, good guys to have as a backup to immediately fold in. I mean, Gregorius, of course, on on the Yankees, you it hurt. You know, it never hurts to own to stock up on Yankees in a a year like this. Yeah, in a year where their offense is awesome. So some of the guys who surprised me on the con side, I have Xander Bogarts and Lindor here. Not that they're, I would rather them than most of the players on this list, but they were supposed to be superstars yeah. and have sort of disappointed to that level. Uh, Aldemias Diaz, Trevor Story, Robinson Cano not having an amazing year either. Kipnis and your pickup, Zobrist. Zobrist has is basically out. Let me clarify. Zobrist was my draft pick that I then draft dropped. Pick. Yes. Which in other years that don't lead to something like that hearken to the apocalypse like me making the playoffs, that normally would mean that Zobrist would now be amazing <laughs> because I drafted him, true. dropped him. He should be awesome. Something is clearly wrong in the world this year. But I agree. I mean, both the Bogarts and Lindor for me, were supposed to be just absolute dunks, and neither one of them has lived up to any of that hype. I mean, the the age benefit that I was targeting has just not panned out. Not panned out at all. Not panned out at all. Okay, so let's get into, let's get a little bit closer into the results. So, the mic wasn't updating this as much as, as I could have been, and I only made a couple of very, like small adjustments like Trey Turner has been on the DL for a bunch of weeks might have been replaced by Whit Merrifield you know kind of really basic things but I decided to go back and just look at if you were to compare those top 12 players 
of the two positions across every week. Mike, the second baseman destroy the shortstops. They win 71-30, and then seven ties. It's destruction. It's so weird. So, I mean, okay, well, let, let's get let's get a first takeaway. If you play in a middle infielder league, don't fuck with shortstops. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the first thing here. Like, load up your second baseman. Um, but if, I mean, if you have to do a second baseman and a shortstop, I guess I would advocate putting as much of your resources into the second baseman. I mean, those guys are just raking this here. What is going on? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy i mean they're they're like great batting average really good runs totals decent rbi totals the one that i keep on that was interesting that we added here is uh plate appearances Mm -hmm. yeah and that one they're not totally dominating the um shortstops nearly as much as some of the other categories i mean that's batting order choice but very interesting, and so let's let's talk about what the actual, what it looks like looking at our, and I'll just go at, with the guys that we picked the very first time um, over the course of the season. Mike did better than the, <laughs> he, I guess he was better than his peripherals, uh, ended up being, he ended up losing 64, 36, and 8. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you did a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. Tough one. Than you could have done. The two things that really stand out is number one is how much better like head to head second basemen are than shortstops. So maybe make sure that you have a decent second baseman. Don't don't wait on them. And then two is that as Mike said, there's a bit of a plateau with the shortstops. So even if you don't get the top talent there's still a plateau that you can you can kind of grab and gravitate towards those guys like Didi Gregorius and I mean this year Andrelton Simmons are going to be available so maybe this is a lesson for next year that you know if you miss out on those top tier guys there's still a pretty good base of shortstops Eric and I often try to help each other with our sections sometimes even on the fly here's the time that I wasn't particularly helpful compress the data that we have and not compress uh what's the term that i'm looking for here mike uh reduce the dimensionality yes marginalize nuisance parameters (laughs) am i being helpful now (laughs) i'm in the playoffs which is still a weird thing to say yeah insert bojack horseman what what (laughs) it's now do or die so i'm agonizing over absolutely every pitching matchup and what i'm currently obsessing over is something that we talked about a couple weeks ago i built all the machinery for and now here we are to try and slice and dice it a little bit run differentials and i need your help i don't know if you're going to talk me off the ledge here or give me some good tips i'm freaking out though and let me give you a concrete example Number one, uh, Zach Grinke, my first matchup of the week, this is really going to set the tone for my pitching matchup, is Zach Grinke at the Houston Astros. That is not, not a place that you want to start. But he's my best, but he's my best pitcher. So what do I do? Well, do remember Houston is a 
good pitcher's park, so that's positive. I will say that honestly, that factored into it. I mean, the fact that the fact that I felt more confident about him going um, had had something to do with that. But and yeah. they do have a history of striking out, which is good. So when mm-hmm. he gives up approximately two more earned runs, because I mean, those Astros just know how to pile it on. Yep. At least you'll have some some decent decent extra k's probably probably a lower whip i don't know I, I think it's not that bad of a decision yeah well let me tell you the thing that that actually pushed it over the edge was do you want to guess what the astros run differential over the last three weeks is um it's not great minus six Oof. so what i'm wondering just for a big takeaway and then we'll talk about a few individual teams. I'm wondering with the big takeaway, do you think that there's a time window that we can trust run differential over? I mean, we've talked about hot streaks and cold streaks for teams, and we've talked about hot streaks and cold streaks for players. Do you think that there's a mapping that we can do? Mm, I eventually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe maybe this is just the start of kicking something around. I mean, one of the things that we had looked at that I that some of the plots that I've done and some of the plots that I've done here specifically that we can look at individual um, individual teams is looking at how run differential is assembled over the course of the year because what doesn't help me is I know that the Astros are a great team whole season but mm-hmm. are the Astros hitting right now same thing, I know that San Diego is a terrible team over the course of the season, but what if San Diego is actually hitting right now? What if they happen to have put their lineup together in a reasonable yep. way? And so running out the run differential is helping me learn something about that. Bottom line, we don't know the full results yet, but I started Zach Grinke today, Monday of this week. Uh, so... We don't know how it's first time through the order looks okay. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how it's going to turn out, but uh, next time you guys can laugh at us as you're listening to this with the benefit of hindsight, depending upon how I did. But I told you that my ultimate decision was based on looking at the past three weeks of run differential. Okay, the Astros aren't actually as hot as we might have feared over that time. They're not sticking it to the starting pitchers as badly. So then I was thinking what other teams might be doing something like this. So where am I going to start? You know, got to start with the AL Central. Got to see what's going on <laughs> with the Twins, who mostly it was about like, why are the Twins doing so badly? Although, where are the Twins in the standings right now? I know. I was just wondering, how, how are the Twins doing? Can you just tell me? I Sometimes I have a hard time reading it. I don't know. Are they still in the race? Wow, that's... <laughs> It's going to be really heartbreaking this month when they fall completely out of it. Bafflingly, team is over 500 with a negative 70 run differential. How? Wow. <laughs> like, that is... When they lose, they lose bad. They really do. You know, really not supposed to be possible to have a negative run differential and be over 500. Like, over the course of a year, that is a strange outcome. But if we're looking at the whole AL Central, I mean, again, we've we've teased this a little bit in the past, but what I would say now is uh, don't start guys against the Cleveland Indians. And no. currently, no, no, no. currently, don't start guys against the Royals. You know, your boy, 
<laughs> not notwithstanding i mean royals royals are doing Cahill. well yeah kales exactly what i'm talking about the uh the royals um still negative run differential but the trend is really strong in the positive direction so i would be scared to start anyone against them right now they seem to be figuring it out those second derivatives it's all about the second derivatives in here of course oh, we gotta get we gotta get better at graphing those uh, we really do of course start guys against the twins and <laughs> the the white Sox got to do that do it got to do those tigers kind of a wash yeah their offense it feels like it's really turning it on right now yeah i would be careful with the tigers they're they're pretty 50 50 you might have a good chance at a win in the sense that their starters are letting up a lot but their mm. offense is pretty strong so it depends on depends on a little bit on what you're going for all right how about <laughs> let's let's turn to your you know your al east here for a second and look at this this i love this one because the teams are just about as evenly distributed and run differential as you can possibly get <laughs> you've got yeah, they really you've got the lowest of the low towards the highest of the high ranking order here is yankees red Sox, rays orioles blue jays which makes sense sort of if you're if you're thinking about the smell test with this group but that said I wouldn't start guys against the Orioles right now. They seem to be climbing like crazy. Yeah, I mean they're they're a team that's been able to win the last couple of years and just because they've struggled through the most of the season compared to the rest of their division, I, I think that they can still they can still win games, they can still hit bombs. Yep. I mean they have a they have some deadly guys on that team. Yeah, they do, which is why I was so surprised honestly, it was more surprising at the beginning of the season. And really the reason that the run differential looks so bad is because they had a horrible week stretch right around game 60 where they just yeah, fell bad. apart and just let up runs like nobody's business. Now, what about a team that scored runs like nobody's business going into the All-Star break and has continued the trend coming out of the All-Star break? Your Red Sox. You wouldn't start anybody against them, right? It's been all year. It's been the conventional wisdom to avoid them but on on certain days they just get blanked but yeah right now everything's gelling with eduardo <laughs> and uh devers devers looks like the real deal i mean i hate i hate to take too much time talking about one specific player when we're talking about matchups but man does devers look good <laughs> he looks he looks darn good he even Dabrowski couldn't sell him like was like ah no i don't think i'm gonna sell this no, i i watched um i watched two two games recently and i watched him hit a home run like a you know six inches above the strike zone and then the next night six inches below the strike zone and you're like this yeah. guy has power <laughs> like he knows what he's wow doing. he is swinging that bat like crazy so he's still got his baby fat like what the heck he really does <laughs> he really does He's going to be an interesting guy, interesting guy to watch. Anyway, that's an aside. I would say, of course, start guys against the Blue Jays. Wheels have more or less come off of that team. Yep. Rays, kind of a wash. I always sort of treat them as a gimme, but uh, you, you probably shouldn't treat them as much of a gimme. They're, they're a little bit more even than you might expect. Yeah, start the good pitches against them, but don't. They're the kind of team that you're not going to stream start starters against, but yeah. you're not going to sit anyone against them. Right, that's absolutely true. Now, <laughs> my favorite division is 
the National League East because there's one good team and four really bad teams currently in it, huh. which is the Nationals are good this year. <laughs> yeah, what what a shock! I mean, this is like you know, I'm sure that you've heard commentators if you listen to anything related to baseball talk about how the nationals are just running away absolutely running away with that division and it didn't matter how long it took them to figure out their bullpen because as long as they had it gelled by the playoffs they were fine this is why this plot shows you why the nationals are not freaked out about anything well i mean the phillies and mets are rancid yeah and the pirates are just not doing anything this year so they it's going to be hard to lose. Part of me is wondering, though, is is a lot of, is some of this head to head? Like, would you actually start all of your starters against Braves, Pirates, Phillies, Mets? Yeah. Okay. I get yeah. honestly, I get nervous about the Braves. Hmm. Yeah, they're so they're so dumb. They don't know that they're supposed to lose. <laughs> and every once in a while, they. <laughs> Yeah. They don't. <laughs> they don't lie down. Yeah, that's really yeah. true. All right. Well, takeaways here. Um, I have not found any way to not just freak out and bite my nails over individual matchups. But the only thing I'm trying to do, I just have to trust that the statistical averages that we've been going with all season are the real deal. And so I'm using the same tools that I've been trying to use during the season just trusting that even if there's maybe one blow up, Marco Estrada, that it will still be averaged out by, let's say, an amazing Zach Greinke start. Which, uh, which it very well might be. <laughs> we shall see. All right, buddy, you want to wrap this sucker up? I do. You surprised by this topic? That You probably thought there was going to be one extra S in there, didn't you? Miscellaneous astro stuff. Yes, astronomy. Uh, have you listened to this Planetarium album by Sufjan and others? I have, and I I came into it because of the Sufjan, but um, I've been a big fan of Nico Muley. Did you read the story? This is like years and years in the making. I have only sort of paid attention to it, and that was actually, I was more aware of it at the beginning of the story, and it just never came out. Yeah. I thought it was going to be another one of his like states projects. Yes. I was like, oh, okay, this is something that he says and never does. <laughs> he got all the way through two states. That was fine. But I'm excited about this. Um, listen to it. You know, it's weird because he, they like stop. I feel like they stopped the space theme about halfway through. <laughs> Each song. Yeah. yeah basically, yes. it's like, yeah. Like, I understand that the titles are mostly planets or astrophysical phenomena, but then suddenly you're like, wait, this isn't, this isn't space anymore. This isn't space at all. Like, let's be honest. This is not Holst. This is not the planets by Holst. This is, this is Sufjan who's like fitting Sufjan doing the planets. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. He was out there for something. Who knows? But also this weekend, it had been far too long. I I watched Apollo 13. The only really acceptable way to watch Apollo 13 is by popping a VHS in and uh, I, <laughs> fiddling with the tracking I, I for know. a little while, trying to get that in there. I'm assuming you didn't do that. <laughs> no, I wish that I had because, yeah, it really does uh, hurt the experience. And then having it 
one of the things that I miss miss about a VHS is like watching um, watching the movie like three quarters of the way through and then stopping and then the next morning knowing that you're going to pick up right where you <laughs> left off, which is like so different nowadays because like half the time you go back and it's like, wait, 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 where's the resume from last? <laughs> which chapter was I in? Shoot. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. I think I saw that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the review session. Donut Holes. We primed it last week. That's right. Here you go. You have the floor. I'm impressed, honestly, that you went with the the formal name and didn't go to the colloquial, just straight up munchkins part of this. <laughs> well, the spelling, though, is... No. All right. So th- there is a fair compromise here where you... You didn't do dough nuts. You did the do nuts spelling of donuts, yeah. <laughs> of donut holes. I, okay, so here's the thing. Donut holes were the form that I consumed donuts in for years upon years upon years. I don't know how long it was before I like really had a full donut. Really? Oh, yeah. Powdered sugar straight up all of the time. That was the preferable donut? I don't know that it was the preferable one. It was just what appeared more often in my life. Like your parents got like a Fryhofer's like thing of donut holes? Yeah, it, No, it was the store brand that came in like a plastic round tub. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, I'm thinking more of like the, yeah, the, the cardboard box <laughs> with the like, with the the window well, i think the, right the it. problem with the fryhoffers is that we would get the like mixed batch and then no one ended up happy because the proportions were never right oh yeah no i mean speaking of the sisters <laughs> earlier on the Aria yeah. thing like geez <laughs> yeah i can only imagine what it was what's it what it's like with three kids versus two kids i mean there's only two chocolate covered ones in there so what are you gonna do <laughs> oh we were always the like the plain powdered sugar, cinnamon sugar. Oh, you guys are that you guys was are weirdos. Oh, those are those are the best. Those are the best. Don- yellow, those are the best. Don- yellow what are cake you talking about? dipped in chocolate. What is your problem? That's clearly the best. No. Yes, it is. No. Yes, the preferable donut hole. I'm going to bring this back to donut holes. The preferable donut hole is the yellow cake one dipped in chocolate. It is jelly glazed or cinnamon sugar jelly glazed who are you i mean those are those are so i mean i remember that's clearly the last one to go oh that is like when done right those are amazing those are astounding you know i am not the Duncan ones. I am. Though. I will tell you. Maybe not the Duncan. <laughs> I'm ones. ready to fund this experiment where we find some random people, we buy a mixed box of Fryhofer's donut holes, and we see what's left at the end. I guarantee you, the cinnamon sugars are gonna be the last to go. All right, you're gonna be um, firing up the tea test. <laughs> and the- yeah, this is our this is our first fancy tools real statistical experiment. <laughs> All right, so let me you. So this this is good though. This is good to know. So if we were to get a mixed bag of these things, you would have the chocolate ones for yeah. me because I hate the chocolate That's ones. So good. Weird. You'd have the cake ones. Yep. 
I would have the jelly ones, clearly. God, so weird. So you don't like the glazed ones? No, 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 no. Out on the glazed ones all the time. Oh. So this is actually... I think part of why I like the glazed ones is because I do remember when every, like, third month into, like, school, someone would bring, like, the, the um, tool box, like, type of munchkins sure. and be like, yeah, you'd have the powdered ones, you'd have the glazed one, you'd have the plain ones. And then, like, every tenth glazed one would be a jelly one. And I'd be like, oh, my God, I got a jelly one. Urgh, so awesome. I think, I mean, the biggest takeaway so far of this review session is that we could share a mixed box of donut holes and be fine. It still sounds, I'm a little bit concerned about doing that, but we, yeah, we can give that a try next time. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions and comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst luck to you, buddy. Worst luck to you, too.